0: All right. Hey, hello there. We've got, uh, man, we're going to have some fun here today. Uh, we're going to try something a little bit different. This is Billy Rainford from Direct Motocross here. And man, we've been trying to get this guy to do something like this for a while now. And, uh, if you are around motocross and let's say, I don't know, from 2004 to 2012, kind of an eight year heyday, you're going to be familiar with this guy. Well, you won't be familiar with his voice, but you're going to be familiar with his opinions Uh, I've got none other than hammer time Rick Hammer Jackson on the phone here Rick how you doing buddy
1: I'm doing great Billy thanks for having me on just uh in Kelowna living my best COVID lifestyle as we (laughs) were just saying previous to you uh going live here it's uh it's been a long winter like like I'm sure most normally I've just been away for a, a month and I've been down to the first couple of rounds and And obviously that's not happening anymore. So, yeah, just living the YouTube life, watching all these cool edits and uh, super pumped that we're talking moto again.
0: Right now, how many years in a row would you say you went to A1?
1: Oh, man, probably 15, 17 years in a row. And I was even going before that. You know, I missed a few years, but, you know, I've been going to round one since probably, I don't know, 1987 or something like that. All
0: right, And then this year, nothing.
1: This year, nothing. Yeah, it's uh, we're on lockdown here. I actually, um, I thought I'd had it figured out that I could at least get over to Maui. But then the return flight where you didn't have to quarantine because you would get tested in Maui and Calgary, that flight got cancelled and there was no uh, flight to replace it. So I just ended up scrapping it. I wasn't going to sit in the house for for 14 days, just so I could go sit in the sun for 12.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. You probably chose wisely there. But hey, let's, uh, let's back it up here. Again, there might be some, uh, I don't know, younger kids listen to podcasts, but uh, anyone listening to this may already know about uh, about your history. But we're talking about, uh, did I actually say MX Forum? I don't know if I even did. But uh, when I said 2004 to 2012, maybe the eight year period of MX Forum's heyday, um talk about how how did that start i mean i know you got it from someone else right like how did that how did you take over mx forum
1: yeah i mean i was um i i got onto the forums right away you know the old moto talk forum that started in around uh 1998 or 99 as soon as i the internet sort of got cooking um you know i jumped in on it right away kind of made a name for myself on the american boards for being super opinionated and and of course back in those days you could say whatever you wanted. And, get away with it you know there was no you know social media and stuff like that you know it was just all monikers we were all nicknames <laughs> behind a keyboard and uh you know as as you know i i used to like to let her rip and and uh so it was either uh i had a pretty big following in the states as far as my opinions go it was the love or hate thing and then um i saw this mx forum you know the pink palaces we called it over the years um some guys in ontario had got it going and not much was happening with it. So I can't remember exactly how it all started, but I got in touch with them and I said, Hey, how about letting me take the keys to this thing? And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was at a time when we weren't all staring at apps and Facebooks and YouTubes and everything else. I mean, you know, all of the information that you needed was found on forums. So, you know, our forum grew really big. I think we had about 25 or 30,000 members on there and. And it was a place where people went for news and updates, which, of course, you know, is all in the palm of your hand right now. So it made it exciting. And, you know, people would go there for results and information and tidbits. And, you know, at the same time, we got to exchange all of our uh, opinions. And, of course, you know, I really enjoyed that. So
0: Right now, you uh, you famously really got under the skin of old uh, DV there, David Villeman. He even had like a shirt or no, yes, yeah, his screw hammer time shirt. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he must have been, uh, he must have been dog fucking it for a few weeks in a row. And I got on him and, uh, he was a member of, of uh, moto talk as well. So, you know, he jumped in there. He didn't like it. And, you know, he had a lot to say about it. And we went back and forth. And at the end of the day, he was a super good sport about it. So he sent me that famous, uh, jersey, a, a race worn jersey and he put uh screw hammer time on the back. It was a big screw, uh, a hammer and a clock as in screw <laughs> hammer time and uh he was good enough to actually send it to me as well so so dv's a good guy and uh i really like listening to him nowadays on on pulp mx when he goes on there he's he's got some good solid opinions in his own right so uh, yeah, that was a that, that was fun
0: i agree i'll listen to him no matter where wherever i hear he's going to pop up i'll listen to his opinion any day i think i get a real kick obviously knowledgeable but uh yeah just the opinions are great
1: yeah. Super good delivery. I mean, he, he, he doesn't mince words and he's got those strong opinions and, um, you know, those strong opinions, much like, much like mine over the years, you know, it's you either love the guy or you hate the guy. There's, there's no middle ground. And I think that's the same with DV and and I'm a huge fan of his as well.
0: All right. Right. Yeah. And now, uh, as far as your, um, racing career went, I know you had an injury and stuff like that, but how far did you make it? What kind of years were we talking here?
1: Yeah, you know, when I was, uh, I was, I was a kid from that, that got into it, you know, basically in the mid eighties. Um, that's when I, I had ridden my whole life, even before that, you know, like I'm, I'm 51 years old now, believe it or not. So, so, uh, you know, I was riding from four years old on and we used to race Thursday nights at Hannigan Speedway in Bellingham. Then by the time I got to the age of 80 expert, you know, I was, you know, the winning 80 expert rider in British Columbia um moved up to big bikes you know got won some bc championships in uh in junior we used to call it junior and intermediate at the time and then i went pro and uh yeah i had some pretty good success i i I was um i don't know how would i describe myself i was uh i was a dog fucker pretty much (laughs) i was uh on, on i had super good talent i was as fast as anybody on some days um you know on other days when i didn't like the track or it got hot and bumpy and i would rather be at the uh at the lake i would probably just leave and go grab my jet ski and go hang out at the lake so not dedicated not a big trainer but i could rail berms with the best of them and uh i won a ton of races and i won a bunch of uh you know good races and a lot of series type stuff in uh in arena cross and, and down south of the border um you know like i say on a good day i was all in and i was super hard to beat on a bad day i was uh i just say hey i'm not into it and, you know so i was no hard charger by any means that's punk. for sure you're a punk yeah i was a punk i i'm the guy i I'm, i was the guy that i i shit on the kids for being nowadays no you're not dedicated live you know you're spending all your dad's money and you're not putting in the effort uh, i mean that was me so talk about uh the pot calling the kettle black i'll take ownership of that
0: yeah that's 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 like 101 stuff right there for sure you always dislike the things you see in other people that you see in yourself so that's uh, that's that's pretty common
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely but it was a good time we had a lot of good guys I mean uh Steve Friesen Daryl Martins Al Dick you know those were those were all guys that I rode with on the, on the weekly we all stayed at each other's houses traveled together I mean it was a super fast crew of guys lots of fun and you know we went down to California together uh you know a couple of times in the winters, and. Yeah, it was just uh, those are all super good memories. You know, I got out of it pretty early. My dad, um, my dad was was eager to get me out of it. You know, when he could tell that I wasn't going to make any anything of it. Like I famously always tell the story. I went to uh, Toronto Supercross when I was 18, and Damon Bradshaw had been off of 80s for about two weeks. He was, I think, 15 at the time, <laughs> and uh, he lapped me. And it was right then that I knew I wasn't going to be a professional motocross racer. So my dad put me to work in real estate.
0: You know, that's I. That's a question I ask uh, people all the time when I talk to them, when I talk to pro riders. Like kids, you know, Canadian kids come up, they move up, you know, moving up, then they go try a race in the States and you get lapped. And it's like, for me, I, I was the same as you. I was like, what do I have to put in to get that? I, I'm never going to get that fast. And I always ask kids, like, how do you not have that beat you down, but motivate you? I just find that impressive when kids can get lapped and they go, nope, I'm going to be there someday.
1: Yeah, I mean they're of a different mindset. I mean, I I took one look at the way Damon Bradshaw rode a dirt bike, and and you know I I was just like, look, I'm I'm out of here. I mean, I could have hung around and done it. You know, I had pretty good support at the time, and my dad was a pretty wealthy guy, and I could have stuck it out for another year or two. I mean, my speed was good. I mean, had I been dedicated, I was, you know, at times I ran with Ross and Al Dick. You know, I almost won a moto at the Brandon National. I mean, I was I was fast and I was in there, but I just I didn't have my heart into it enough. You know, I like. I like chasing chicks and having a good time. I love cars. I was into all that stuff at the same time. So, you know, it's probably best that I just, you know, quit when I did. So, so yeah, but it was uh, made for good memories, you know, best times of my life. You can see we're always talking on the BC old school MX forum about those old days and all the great friends. I mean, that's the big thing. You meet lifelong friends, you know, with that common bond and interest and you know, that stuff goes a long way. I still talk to everybody I used to hang with and ride with and, and uh, that's what makes this sport so special. You know, it's a very unique sport. And I think you kind of feel that bond with people for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, for sure. It is funny that way. Absolutely. And hey, now you mentioned Ross. Uh, do you have any Ross stories you want to tell? Ross Peterson stories?
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody knows over the years I'm not the biggest Ross Peterson fan. I mean, I was uh, <laughs> I was the type of kid that was, um, when I started showing up at Canadian Nationals and stuff like that, you know, I was, I was in it to make buddies with people and, you know, I was big personality. I was, I was so stoked to meet all of the guys that I didn't know, but I knew of. And, uh, Ross, you know, he, he wasn't the type of guy that had time for anybody. I mean, hey, his results speak volumes. He was winning all the races and training hard and maybe he didn't have time for that bullshit, but you know what? I, I like being cool to people and he wasn't that cool to me. And so never been a big fan, but like I say, on the track, he was great. And, uh, off the track, whatever I could, uh, I could leave them, you know, the other guys on the other side of it, guys, I didn't know famous guys like, you know, Zoli Barini and, you know, all the rest of these guys, Carl Valancourt, what an unbelievable guy he was, uh, you know, just met, made friends with him right away. The first time I went back East, you know, our personalities caught fire and, uh, you know, people like that, people that want to meet other people and and there's more to it than just the on-track stuff. Those are the type of people I got respect for. So yeah, I'm not the biggest Ross fan, but uh, he sure did kick ass. I mean, you can't take that away from him.
0: Right, right. Us old guys got. I got to keep bringing him up just because you know people look at some uh, some of the record books from these days, and it's like, well, let's go back a little bit farther uh, when <laughs> and have a look at this guy's numbers.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, he's the guy was such a legend, and you know, on a good day, he could keep uh, he could keep all the factory bikes honest in the United States. I mean, I think he had a few podiums down there in some big races and uh unbelievable rider I and mean, he was dedicated he was in such good shape I was actually in California one time at a practice track it was just me and Jeff Ward and uh we were spinning laps together for a couple of hours and we were taking a break at the top of this hill and he you know we were asking me where I'm from and all that stuff and giving me some pointers and he says yeah do you know that guy Ross Peterson I'm like yeah of course I know I know Ross he's like Man, that guy's one of the toughest, best fit competitors that we've seen. You know, come outside of our country forever. He had nothing but accolades for Ross. So, you know, coming from Jeff Ward, you know, Mister All Time guy, that's pretty impressive.
0: Wow, no kidding, that is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love stories like that. That's awesome for sure. All right, what was your what was your lowest uh, national number? Did you ever do enough to get a number?
1: Um, I, I never did a series. Like here's the way it would go. I go to the first few early ones, like Edmonton and then the Manitoba and then rather go back East actually in, in Washington and Oregon, there were more competitive, bigger series at the time, you know, um, it, they were called the gold cups at the day or back in the day. And, um, uh, so I would go home to race those. I mean, there were firstly, they were closer to my home. Secondly, more money. And, um, thirdly, there was unbelievable guys in there i mean you know lance Mail, larry ward lowell thompson who was a world mini champ um rick simmet who was a world mini champ there was scott steffi you know he you see him online a lot nowadays there was just you know the list goes on i mean it was almost like going to a mini national when you would go to those so i would race those in the summer rather than go back east and make no money and have to have to travel back there and um yeah, those were good times. I I had my moments down there too. I won some big races in those, but again, it was the same old thing. If the track suited me and it was soft and I could rail the outside, I was, I was in it to win it. And if it was rough and choppy and square edge, I was just, no way, not for me. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, so your dad
0: actually but talk about, uh, talk about your injury. How did, uh, how did that happen? When, and when, and what was the story there?
1: Yeah, that was in December of '98. You know, I I had not ridden much for about three or four years. Uh, I was I was busy, you know, getting myself acclimated into real estate and stuff like that. And and uh, I finally moved to Kelowna. Uh, my dad retired, and and my brother and I didn't want to remain in Vancouver and take over his business. We wanted to start our own business, you know, without him in in Kelowna. But um, I didn't get right into real estate right away. I was working at the Team Yamaha dealership and the valley motorsport dealership for about a year and a half and during that time um i just started riding again i actually uh a buddy of mine i didn't even have a bike for a couple of years a buddy of mine he said oh you're moving to Kelowna," and he threw a, a a yz 125 in the back of the truck for me to transport it so i had that bike and and on the way up i stopped in at the summerland uh racetrack um, I guess they hold, they held Wednesday night practices and I didn't even have uh, I didn't even have pants I all I had was my old fox boots and my my Troy Lee hand-painted helmet and I unloaded this bike and I went out there and I was just ripping just jumping all the big doubles and and uh, people are coming up like who the fuck is this guy wearing jeans with his hand-painted helmet <laughs> anyways I had such a good time that day and met some friends like Cam McQueen and San O'Dano Curry he was down there and and uh, made maybe kind of regain my love for riding so starting that day i uh I pretty much went out and bought a new kx 125 from valley motorsport the next day and basically rode 5 days a week for the next i don't know 2 or 3 years right up until i had a i had a bad crash on a on a big kicker ended up breaking my neck so i've got you know a mild spinal cord injury i walk with a limp and stuff like that but uh not healthy enough to ride motocross but over the years I've killed it on the street bikes and had a good time with that so but again you know made some inroads with some amazing friends that I talk to weekly now and are good real estate clients of mine so never hurts to be on a bike the networking is uh fantastic
0: <laughs> all right now let's talk about that is it uh, what is it hammer times houses or what's you and your brother there in Kelowna there K-Town you're uh you're ruling the place with the real estate what uh, what's the deal what are you guys called
1: yeah, we're team Hamer Jackson out here in, uh, in Kelowna and we, we, yeah, we sell a lot of real estate. You know, we work a lot of hours and, and, uh, yeah, really enjoy it. You know, it's, um, it's a hectic business and, and that's what I like about it. You know, I, when, when you're, when you're under the gun and there's tons of deals going on, you kind of get that adrenaline rolling like you used to riding bikes. I mean, you know, that working, you know, where you're, you, where your, your appointments are, Backed up for 12 hours within three minutes of each other. Some people, that's not for everybody. I absolutely love it. You know, I like those hectic, chaotic days. It reminds me of, reminds me of Raylan Berms and and jumping big jumps on a dirt bike. So yeah, it keeps me interested and intrigued at, at this point in time. So I love working.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks for a little walk down memory lane, man. But uh, here's the thing. We're calling this review preview with hammer time I don't know let's see but anyway so we're going to review what happened we're going to preview what's coming up I really appreciate you uh talking some supercross with us uh there's really there's no hiding there's no hiding when hammer time is d- doing a critique so uh let's <laughs> that's what I love about you
1: <laughs> thanks buddy I'm a little more mellow than I was back in the mx forum days especially now that uh our names are all public and stuff like that so I uh, hope I don't let you down no
0: geez well just pretend you're typing
1: there you
0: go (laughs) all right so okay so obviously we're two rounds in we got this condensed schedule we're still going to get 17 rounds in but we're squeezing them in we got three within eight days um man some new things i mean what about for starters i'm I'm just going to throw some things out there that have changed for this year race day live no jim holly we bring in uh dan hubbard to sit with daniel blair have you been able to watch the uh, race day lives
1: Every minute of it, yeah, I've watched uh, both race day lives from start to finish. Yeah, uh, the new guy's doing a good job. You know, of course, you know, the no Jim Holly thing tugs at our heartstrings. Like, I know Jim personally as well, and, and uh, he is such a great guy and a fan of the sport, and he knows literally the ins and outs of everybody and everything that's going on. So I don't know what happened behind the scenes. Uh, you, know, for, you know, it's the same thing with Ralph, you know, Ralph Shaheen. All the hate that he gets, I love Ralph. You know, I think that he anchors the show well. And so I don't like the changes, you know, and I'm not someone that's scared of change, but I'm not a fan. But uh, those guys are still doing a great job on Race Day Live. And I think Daniel Blair is super prepared. And I think he kills it. He's got a lot of good insight. And uh, I really love Race Day Live.
0: Yeah, the only thing I think we may have lost a little bit of, I mean, I think people that watch Race Day Live are the core audience. I mean, they are there. They want to know inside and out. Whereas Dan, I mean, great guy, super nice guy, having fun, but a little less core. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he's asking a few more questions as if uh, hasn't been in the sport all that long. You know what I mean? So it kind of, we're not getting quite the in-depth stuff we maybe did when, da- you know, when uh, Daniel and Jim Hawley did it uh, a little bit more for the uh, the casual fan, I would say.
1: Yeah, you said it. And you know what, that's a, like you also mentioned, that's in my mind is a waste of time because the casual fans not suffering through race day live, us us hardcores that are, you know, that are counting down the minutes to Supercross. We're the ones that are watching race day live in my mind. So that was where Jimmy was, was so great. You know, you're just talking all about the intricacies of the guys, you know, and the stuff that only he would know because he's living that life with them and everything else. So, you know, I don't think they need to cater to the broad audience like they're doing with the new program. Cause I don't think the broad audience is watching until the, the lights go on in the night show.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, that's just some, uh, positive, a positive criticism, you know what I mean? Just some some uh, constructive criticism.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So yeah, yeah. And now uh, you mentioned, and we talked about uh, the hosting at night. They got the Lee Diffie in now for uh, for Ralph Shaheen. And I, and as much as you said, like people bagged on Ralph, I always thought he does what he's supposed to do. He runs the show. He takes you to breaks. He tits the sponsor names in. You know what I mean? He kind of runs, keeps it on time, and then you've got the the color commentator with him. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of thing that uh, I think we missed from Ralph for sure.
1: Yeah. I I feel like I say, I've got a soft spot for Ralph. I mean, you know, for all the crap he takes and, you know, he's obviously got his following, but I think, you know, again, he's one of those lover hate guys and man, he's, he's he's like the nickelback of uh, announcing sports. I mean, the hate that that guy gets, it's crazy, but, you know, he, look, he has to say those things. I mean, much like how we were saying, you know, that Jimmy was so good because he was talking about the intricate stuff for the hardcore fan. Well, you know, on the big main broadcast, you know, Ralph has to cater to what the manufacturers and the sponsors want, and that's dragging new people into the business. Look, it's got to be a green Kawasaki. It's got to be a red Honda. You know, it's got to be a lot of repetitive stuff and, mm-hmm. and, you know, talking like that, but, look, he's got – You know he's he he's got a he's got a job to do and he's he has to pay those sponsors need their bills paid so I feel like you know I feel like any lead in that seat is gonna have to go through that stuff but you know the average good core fan didn't like Ralph for it so anyhow screw them I miss Ralph
0: yeah exactly and I mean that's the thing sure sometimes he would say stuff yeah no kidding Ralph but it's like yeah that's the broadcast is when the casual fan might be clicking by and they're like oh wow okay let me check this out so. I always, uh, Kyle Carruthers, whenever we did, uh, things together, like, uh, broadcasting together, he was great. He was the Ralph Shaheen of that. He would, I, I could never do it like he did. He just get the sponsors in there. Get, it just ran it like that. I
1: mean, it's a skill, man. Yeah, no, it is for sure. It's, uh, it's not the glamorous end of it. You know, the, the color stuff in my mind is way easier to do, but to actually, you know, to, to anchor the show and to run the show like that. I mean, that must be, that. that's rough. That comes with a lot of experience.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure, and I think that's that's for certainly what uh, we missed with Ralph, for sure. But uh, uh, hang on, I'm going to need a minute to compose myself. You brought up Nickelback.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt, eh? See, and that's another thing. Yeah, hey, I still like those good old Nickelback tunes. So <laughs> anyone that anyone that's not happy with that, hey, to hell with you. <laughs>
0: All right, I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay so okay now the tracks i mean uh we got three races in a row in nrg center there, stadium in houston 43 second lap times and sometimes less than that what do you think of the tracks
1: terrible <laughs> um you know look it's i don't think that they need to come out and lay down the gnarliest track by any means but when you look at the floor space on the stadium you know, we could probably extend those lap times by, you know, a good seven, eight, nine seconds. You know, I, it's everyone, you know, you you read the guys online. Oh yeah. You know, what difference does it make? You know, they're still doing, you know, 20 plus two or, or whatever, but you know, what they don't think about is the shit kicking that the tracks are taking. Exactly. You know, everything gets cupped out. You're getting down to the concrete and some of the turns, you know, this and that, and that makes for worse and more dangerous racing in my mind. So I like to see a bigger track with more variety. I also, you know, like to see way better whoop sections than we've seen so far. Um, you know, that's a good separator in Supercross. So, I don't think the tracks have been terrible, but they they definitely could have been better. And they got to utilize the, the floor space in the bigger stadiums.
0: Right, right. I don't think racers would agree with me, but I like the whoops right before the finish line because when you're coming up to a, la- a checkered flag, you know there's you know guys just gonna be hanging it out there, just kind of like a 180 before the finish too.
1: Yeah, full whiskey, just like, uh, <laughs> just like Ferrandez. Oh my God. He was scaring me in the whoops the other night. He was just pinned wide open. I thought he was going to fly off the track. It was crazy.
0: <laughs> All right. Another, just another thing about the tracks, uh, as a photographer, I'm a huge fan cause I love taking the photos indoors in sand sections, but, uh, sand sections in Supercross. What do you think of that?
1: I'm torn. You know, I was talking about this on one of my, uh, my group threads that I've got with, with some of the hardcores here in around town. Uh, you know what? I kind of like it. Uh, it was unfortunate what happened. I didn't like seeing, um, I didn't like seeing some of the carnage that came out of it the other night, but uh, I like something that's going to mix it up, especially with the, the, you know, the smaller, uh, the smaller courses, you know, the shorter lap times. I know it was, it, it did put it this way. The one on, the one on, uh, on Tuesday didn't make the sound look good. I mean, there was was too many guys having problems with it going down. A few few guys got hurt throughout the day in the sand. I mean, so I don't know. I like it because I like seeing something different. But, you know, the average guy doesn't seem to be a big fan of it. And I'm sure the racers hated it as well.
0: Right. I think, again, it kind of shows our age a bit too. Because I remember back in the 80s, uh, Supercross tracks were far, far from cookie cutters. You know what I mean? They were weird. They were different. There was awkward sections. (laughs) Guys now would just freak out if they rode some of those old
1: tracks. Oh, I know. It was, people don't realize how uniquely built the tracks were. And, um, you know, of course, you know, this is what I'm going to say next is well documented. I mean, it, when it was 125s and 252 strokes, they had to be uber creative and really think about their laps in order to even get up, get over some of the obstacles. I mean, you know, nowadays, you know, a 125 or 250 can just, you know, grab a handful in first gear out of any corner and clear a triple. Well, Back in those days, you know, they would build these really creative, n- neat tracks and, and um, you could really see where mistakes you had to pay for them. I mean, if a guy had a tiny bit of wheel spin here or there this or that, I mean, he wouldn't be able to clear an obstacle. So, yeah, I, m- I miss those old tracks. I don't know how they would shake out on these, on these four strokes that are so powerful now, but I'd sure like to see it. I mean, the last one that I can remember that was super unique was the one that uh, Travis Pastrana built. I think it was uh, St. Louis in 2006. I mean, that was a track like nobody had ever seen and <laughs> made for some incredible racing.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, now uh, also, um, at this one, the first turns, I mean, this one, uh, the last one kind of took, took some people out. And then unfortunately the way the track was laid out, they were coming back towards the guy. So, I mean, that was a bit of an issue.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, when, um, when they've got one of those first turns where it's, it, you know, you're, you're down the long street and the guys on the inside are having to basically come out on a, you know, 15 or 20 degree angle out to, in order to make the turn. I mean, if they come in, um, you know, too hot like your buddy Osby did there a few years ago and, and they come in too hot and they're riding that front wheel into the first turn, well, they can clear out the whole other third of the pack. And we've seen that a couple of times here over the first two rounds. So, you know, I wish that there was a little bit more semblance of organization for the whole shots in, in these races because there's nothing worse than seeing a, you know, a contender or somebody that's going to have to go to the last chance that's, you know, going to be, have a good shot at the podium having to go through that just because, you know, a guy that's, you know, going to be a 15th, 18th place guy just doesn't know when to shut the gas off, you know?
0: Right, I knew you weren't going. I knew we weren't going to be able to get through this without you mentioning that Osby uh in, in the Davalos thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what though, Osby, Osby's killing it. He looks unreal out there.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, I
1: used to call him the I used to call him the first turn assassin, but uh, Osby's awesome, man. He what does he have? Like an eighth and a twelfth so far. So I think he's two tenths. He's doing well.
0: Two tenth places, I believe.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, he's he's going well. So hey, keep up, uh, keep up the aggression, Osby. You're killing it.
0: <laughs> he's not listening <laughs> <laughs> all right buddy well let's uh let's uh, just kind of back it up and kind of recap some things i mean round one came out and boy i mean the well, well the 250 class wasn't quite as crazy as obviously the 450 class but uh to see some of the things i mean wh- what are your thoughts so we got uh, jet lawrence uh you know the young kid coming out man he had a heck of a weird rodeo for a last lap but uh this kid impressing you what are you thinking of uh of him
1: uh, I'm the biggest fan of him. I mean, that, that's, that's my guy. I love Jet Lawrence. I mean, he's got that electric swagger. It reminds me a lot of when, when uh, TP199, Travis Pastrana came out. I mean, it was just everything he touched turned to gold. All the sponsors wanted a piece of him. I mean, he was just writing his own checks, you know, right from uh, right from when he came in and Jet's got that same type of magnetism, you know, uh, I love the fact that he's not jumping up on the box and, and uh, thanking sponsors and all that regular bullshit. You know, I love that he's himself. You know, he knows the sponsors are getting represented on the track. He doesn't have to go through that vanilla stuff, um, you know, when he's winning races. So I love the kid. I think he could own this entire sport. I mean, if he plays it straight and, you know, puts his racing first and doesn't get caught up in everything else that comes with all the, the fame and the money, I just don't see anybody beating him. I mean, he's got it all as well as a pristine riding style. So huge fan.
0: Right, right. Now, I always, uh, I always, again, interviewing people after races and stuff like that and, and doing these kinds of things. It's Some people, it's just not their cup of tea. And I mean, I, I always say, hey, not everybody is a Travis Pastrana. It looks like this kid, he gets up, you ask him a question, he actually answers it with feeling. He doesn't go straight, like you say, to the sponsor runs. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty refreshing for sure. And he, and he barks like a dog up there.
1: Yeah, that was funny. You know, he's just like, you know, he's 17 years old. He's He's a, he's a kid that's just being himself and having a good time. And you know, I hope the grind of the sport doesn't take that away from him, you know, because because, uh, man, there's nothing better than seeing a, a kid that gets an opportunity, gets the, the Red Bull helmet, you know, the factory Honda and starts winning right away. I mean, this is this is what dreams are made of. And he's riding that wave right now. I think it's great to see.
0: Right, right. As, as long as I mean, he's obviously a kid who does better when he's having fun. So as long as he does, doesn't become a come a job to him, you know what I mean? And, and, and the fun goes away from it uh, and just becomes a drag. But I don't see that happening for a while
1: yeah for sure and i think i think the drag comes on guys that you know take it you know way too business like i mean he's do it seems to me like jeff's doing the right things you know, and you know he knows he's 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 basically you know living a, a life now where he's gotta toe the line and make his sponsors look good, but you know you don't they those guys are also hiring him for the reason that he is exciting and he's he's not vanilla you know he's you know they the red bulls and 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 all these big Things that he's representing now you know they're not just looking for him to win races they're looking for him to be him and and be his brand and you know that's going to go farther than you know some some guy that's got no you know no big hype around him that gets up on the on the podium and you know doesn't have that type of electricity so i think if he just keeps on doing what he's been doing so far i mean like i say oh god you look at the, he won tuesday night by 10 12 seconds or whatever it was until he backed off in the last few laps doing that at 17 only a few super crosses in pretty impressive
0: all right for sure hey now what do you think about uh just kind of looking here what do you think about um austin forkner
1: oh god where do i start it it, that that sounded to me like when when i brought up nickel back to you a few minutes ago (laughs) i think uh i think in that helmet of his where there's supposed to be brains there's a big pile of shit man that kid is he's an honest shit for brains i mean what are we year four for him i think raw speed wise i think he's got everybody covered you know when things are going well for him but he just can't keep it together you know i mean when he came in um you know, I figured that he was going to be like RC, you know, I thought, okay, it'll be a rough one. Cause he's so crazy and so aggressive, but man, you can see that speed and yeah, he'll get it worked out. But here we are year after year and, you know, just taking people out, you know, getting involved in stuff that he doesn't need to get involved in making enemies. You make too many enemies. You're never going to win a title because someone's always going to be wanting to get back at you. And then, you know, that move that he made on, um, on uh Hampshire? rj yeah the, the movie made on rj i mean he whiskey throttled the guy from halfway across the stadium and he was like about four bike lengths away from even having a legit shot at a pass like where does that come from now rj seasons or well his supercross season is is done as far as the championship hopes go and everything else so i don't know man i the kid uh, he he needs to he needs to get some mental counseling or something like that. It's sad to see. And not only that, too, you keep hitting the ground like he's doing. That raw speed goes away fast.
0: And hey, now what do you think about uh, the argument that RJ was in a rut and he actually cut down from the rut?
1: That's bullshit. Because, <laughs> look, the the turning down is one thing, but I don't even think RJ would have known he was there. Uh, you know, like, he was he was whiskey. Like I say, he was so far away from RJ. Well, he doubled like into the corner. Half, like, a pass like that, you know it's coming because you can hear the guy a few corners before, you know he's that close. Those guys were like probably seven, eight bike lengths apart when that section even started leading into that. So, I don't know, I just think it was a stupid move and and not good for Forkner and terrible for RJ. So, I don't know, not a fan, not a fan of Austin at all.
0: All right. now we're still on H1 here. What uh, what about the feel-good story with uh, Christian Craig coming through and taking the win there?
1: Uh, you know what we, uh, again, in those, in those, um, in those, in those DMs that I'm always sharing with, with groups of, of people, you know, the thing about Christian is, and I'll state the obvious here. You watched him from the start of the day on race day live all through the night. I could arguably say that that's the most beautiful motorcycle riding display I've ever seen. I mean, (laughs) the, the guy is just his, his skill level is like, how he's only won one supercross i mean it's it's absolutely crazy just the you know the way he turns down on the hips and is back on the gas and is that perfect pristine riding style over the front of the bike and i mean you know i i just thought looking at that night i, I pretty much figured he'd win that night for sure you know he's obviously got to show that he's a real racer this this go around you know with this new opportunity with star and he's not just going to be the guy that you know, hits and misses and, you know, can't win, can't be a winner, you know, not tough enough mentally to be a winner. So hopefully he's turned that around, but oh there's nothing like watching him spin laps.
0: Right. Hey, were you surprised that uh, Colt Nichols got by him at uh, age two?
1: Yeah. You know what? Maybe, you know, maybe that conditioning isn't, isn't a hundred percent there. You know, he's, he's an older guy now. What is he 31 years old? You know, he's got a wife and two kids. How hard is he really training? You know, so, uh, we'll see you know I I kind of I kind of hope that he's not going to be like Barsha you know like is it going to be a one hit wonder at round one and then you're going to be back to your old ways where you're you know third to eighth or you know you miss some races with injury or or whatever you know I'd like to see Christian really man up and win this thing
0: all right okay well you just uh you just mentioned Justin Barsha so let's talk about that 450 class now uh first round was that not the craziest 450 situation you've ever seen
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can't make heads nor tails of a lot of stuff. I mean, first of all, it's so deep, right? You know, going into the series, we said there's going to be full blown million dollar factory riders getting eighth, ninth, tenth place on the regular, mm-hmm. right? We've never seen that before because the class is so deep. So I don't know. I just, I, I look at some of this stuff and it's like Ant, Jason Anderson's a lapper now. I mean, how does that go down? <laughs> so I can't quite figure it out. It was a wild night and, and, um, you know Barsha looked unbelievable you know but he's done that before and then what is he an eighth place rider for the rest of the series so you know which he did on Tuesday night so we'll see is he for real now or are both him and Christian for real are they going to just get back to their old ways
0: right now in in Barsha's defense he was stuck in gear one gear there
1: I just read that today I didn't even know that until today so yeah that is a good 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 defense for him but uh yeah, I I hope he gets back on the winning track and wants to be a winner. I mean, obviously he's on, you know, I guess you could say arguably the best bike that there is. It's, you know, it's a KTM obviously. So, so uh I'd love to see him up front cuz he's definitely exciting and if he's got to move by a few people, that makes for for great racing because uh, he'll park people and I love that. So
0: Right. Now we're talking about uh top guys, you know, back in the pack. So yeah, yeah, we had H1 here. We had Anderson 15th. We had uh well, Sexton crashed there with uh, with Davalos and stuff. Whatever he was down in 14th, but Eli Tomac, 13th place, twice together with Vince Friese.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think before everyone goes pointing fingers at um, you know Eli's mental lapses that he's had in the past that he didn't have last year. I mean, yeah. I mean, you get him and Vince Friese where making a bunch of noise together. And I think that's the story of his night. And of course he redeemed himself on, um, on Tuesday night. So yeah, good to see. I don't know that he's quite got the raw speed right now, or maybe for the rest of the series is, well, it was even showing on Tuesday, you know, I mean, the way that AC and Sexton were moving for those first Mm. five or six laps, you know, they kind of dropped him. Um, So, you know, I think he's going to have to be a little craftier, to be a weekly winner now with these young guys going so fast. So we'll see how the rest of it shakes out.
0: Right. Right. And then uh 10th coming all the way from, well, from last there was a, uh, you know, Zach Osborne made it up there and a Cooper Webb in ninth. And I was impressed with, um, uh, Plessinger up there at first for a while and throughout the day, he was looking really good. And he ended up eighth in that uh, first well, first round.
1: Yeah. I mean, firstly, um, you know, Zach, he's he's such a warrior. Like he was down and dead last in the first turn in the first turn and of course there's no quit in him. That's been well documented in, in the second half of his career. So yeah, I mean to pass as many of those incredibly fast guys as he did, that was probably the standout ride of the night for me. And um and then uh yeah, I mean Anderson I don't know. I don't know what to think of that guy. He's made so much money for so long now, even though he's not, you know, a super old guy, he's been on, on the gravy train financially for a long time. And, you know, he's won his title in in 18. And I think for some of these guys, it gets to the point where you're just not willing to hang it out anymore to, to be a winner when, you know, you could already retire with what you've made. And, And I'm starting to wonder if that's going to be Jason, because, you know, even um, even on Tuesday, he didn't look great. I mean, he I don't believe he got lapped, but, you know, he was, um, you know, he hasn't stuck a wheel in there yet. So we'll see what happens with him.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. It's one of those years, too, where next week he'd come out and win. And you're like, oh, well, I guess I was wrong about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you never know. I think, you know, of course, like I'll state the obvious, a lot of this has got to do with getting out front early, too, which he hasn't done. Um, you know, you had mentioned Plessinger. You know, like, Aaron's basically out of a job if he doesn't make something of this, this yeah, year Yeah, this is make or break um, for
0: sure.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Like he, I mean he let's face it, since he's got on the four fifty he's been horrible. But just say it like it is. And I mean, not even good any of the time, always bad. Uh just never getting in there. Doesn't look like he's enthused, riding hard. Um, you know, look, you can say what you want about the Y Z four fifty, but you know, I mean look at we'll get I'm sure we'll get to this. Look at Ferrandis in his first year on it. The guy was just killing it so it's not and you know bars one on the bike so yeah he looked pretty decent on on in, in on saturday but then he was back to his old tricks on tuesday he was awful i mean he's finished so, 16th i don't know i don't see him doing anything in a class this deep i think he's going to be uh on the GNCC program next year
0: <laughs> okay yeah it's uh he's such a good dude though it's nice to see him do well and have him like here's podium speeches and stuff <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's an interesting guy and a, and a good dude. Well, you know, that that's all good and fine, but if you're not put if you're making the kind of money that he's making right now and you haven't done anything for, you know, going on 3 years, then uh the good dude thing doesn't wash. Everybody hates your face back in the pits. Trust me on that. <laughs> and now
0: I don't know why he came in under the radar a little bit, but uh I, I mean Marvin Muscan, a third place there back from uh, back from his knee and everything. I thought he looked great and I mean why why wouldn't he,
1: right? Yeah, Marv, I mean, he's, well, he's so talented, right? I mean, look, he's he's got his druthers and it showed up on Tuesday, big time. He can't get through the whoops good enough at times. You know, if he gets jumping through them uh, and they're a certain style of hoop that will, 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 you know, run with the skimmers, um, then it does well. But it didn't on Tuesday and he got past a good three or four times in there. So he's got to get that worked out, I think, to be back a winner. But yeah, he's looked unreal. And um, you know, he was obviously even having problems at the Baker's factory. I saw some clips there where Oh I saw wasn't... that, yeah. Yeah, he's butting heads with Alden and he didn't wanna, you know, leave the pack and, and, and this and that. And I think, you know, it didn't look like he had any confidence either after seeing that. So coming off injury and, and missed races and, and you know, not looking good at the practice track, you know, that just kinda shows that he shows up on race day and his racecraft is solid as always.
0: Right now, at the, on uh, at round one, the first one it was I found I've never seen I've, not that I can remember it being so obvious. Watching a guy in second place trying different lines, then coming back to the old lines, trying a different line, and then going, Wow shit!" The leader's got the best lines. I'm just gonna have to follow him, as I saw with Roxin chasing after Barsha that first round.
1: Yeah, awesome creativity. I mean, you know, and he he was just he had gap third just by enough that he he had the luxury of of knowing that he can he could go and, you know, venture out to those lines without having someone come inside or whatever. So, yeah, it's awesome to watch. The guy is just such an amazing rider. I mean, yeah, at round one, I thought that was a major moral victory for him. You know, he showed that he could go the pace for the whole moto. And, um, you know, hopefully now this this uh, this stuff with his body is is going to be worked out because a good Ken Rockson is a joy to watch. I mean, he's so fast in the turns. His whoop speed is as good as anybody's and um you know i'd like to see him get back on the box like he's good for the sport you know it's like him and jet and ac those are the guys that have the big followings and and can really put our sport out to uh to the public so yeah i want i want him to get back on the winning track for sure
0: yeah no for sure yeah he took a bit of a beating there when he had that issue with uh, eli tomac but before that i mean he's just such a nice guy it's it's uh, it was hard to see that problem with him and uh him and eli
1: yeah for sure no it's uh a huge fan. I mean, anybody that's got that much talent and and is that fun to watch ride, you know, and and has done things and won championships and everything else, you just want those guys to be back on their game.
0: Right, right. And then, so, like, the second round Tuesday, I mean, they get uh, two days to kind of chill out and get their bodies back and relax and figure out if they want to change anything. But I talked to a few guys. I mean, like, we've got uh, Guillaume Saint-Cyr, the Canadian out of Quebec. He's down there. He's going to, you know, how much can you do? He wanted to maybe do some riding uh, today I think he was going to do some riding, but uh, just hanging out, sightseeing, and uh, good for Guillaume Saint Cyr to be uh, out down there trying to put it, uh, put the bike in the main event.
1: Yeah, good on him. You know, it's—I'll it, uh, tell you—it's easy for people to say, "Look, go race Supercross," and and I've I've been a huge—I've uh, like I've shit on everybody that says, "Oh, you can't race Supercross because you don't have, you know, fifteen grand worth of Supercross suspension or whatever." But at the end of the day, it takes a ton of balls to go and line up for a supercross it's it's a totally different game than than uh outdoor nationals obviously or anywhere you can practice i don't care what type of facility that you're at it's not like getting into a stadium and and going and racing supercross with all those big names and everything else so so good on him you know um you know and i'm sure you're going to be bringing up for uh jess pettis i mean i'm just so heartbroken that this has gone the way it's gone for him had huge hopes for him and you know it's just such a treat when you know there's a canadian in there that we can sort of back and cheer for and and see how they can do against the best guys on the world stage
0: right and i mean of you know like i say we got a lot of guys have gone down and given it a shot but it's rare that you see a guy that looks like he belongs you know what i mean just right away jess just looked comfortable and then that, to have that stupid i guess it was a uh you know tough block got knocked out in front of him and he tweaked his knee and and he's uh Yeah, it looks like that's going to be it for a while for him.
1: Yeah, that's such a bummer. I mean, you know, and and especially, I mean, he looks so prepared too. I mean, to be able to be at the Baker's factory, you got the right bike, you got the right training, you got the right support, you know, like come, and, and he'd been down there for a good period of time too. So coming in, it was just like, oh man, there's going to be a Canadian that's really got a shot at doing good things. And then it goes that bad that early. It's just, it's a heartbreaker.
0: I know. And before going in, I, you know, I, Obviously, you've been chatting with him back and forth, and it was a plan to, you know, every Sunday, well, every day after the, the races, you know, do an interview with him and stuff like that. Man, did I ever not want to call him the other day?
1: <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 crazy because you think about the work that goes into it. You know, here's a kid from Prince George. He's crossing the border. He's he's taken the steps and the expense to go down and do it all. You know, everything looks like it's just shaped up to be so, so great, and then it just blows up to that. I mean... I'm not surprised he didn't want to talk. I mean, he must be just devastated. I feel terrible for the kid.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. And then there's, you know, people say, hey, well, now we can just race west. Well, there's rules there. I mean, he would have had to have had it written down before they even went out for practice on the second round for him because he didn't make it into the night. I mean, it happened in qualifying. So that means he could switch, but he would have had to have done it before. And his, And also, the way the schedule is, it's going to be Indianapolis and Orlando is west. So... All he could do is maybe grab Cole Thompson's bike and hit the four fifties when he's better.
1: Yeah, I mean there you go. It's uh yeah, like I say, it's 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 brutal. I mean, I, I, I can't believe that, you know, we had some kid that was so ready and on such a roll and this is the way it turned out, especially when we never get a sniff of of anything Canadian that's exciting going to race supercross. So so yeah, it's just the ultimate bummer of the series for me.
0: And out there in BC, we were gonna have like Tyler Gibbs was gonna do some racing. Uh, Casey Keyes wanted to race some Supercross. So this whole COVID thing really screwed people up. And yeah, so
1: yeah, no, it sucks for sure. It'd be just great to see, you know, more Canadians in there. I mean, it was it was great back in the day when you know the Noof was going down. Brady raced you know a couple of years of the series. You know, Beaton did some good things in there. I mean, um, you know, those were those were good times and fairly recent times as well. So. You know, I thought Jeff was gonna be the next guy to even do better than those guys and now we're not gonna to get to see him do it. So
0: Yeah, we'll have to uh find out just what the uh the prognosis is there for him for sure. But uh it's yeah, it's just such a sad <laughs> such a sad deal. It's brutal. Such a I mean it's just a love hate relationship. Right I'm talking with JSR about this too, and you're like, Man, yeah, it's you love the sport but you can hate it pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a rough sport. I mean, it's, it's not like a lot of sports where when things go bad, like in hockey, you know, if you're, uh, all of a sudden you're not, you're, you're not hitting the net or you're not, uh, you're not skating well or this or that. I mean, when things go bad in supercross, it's a major pain, you know, time off, um, heartbreak city, you know, for what you put into it. And the price to pay is so big. So yeah, it's, um, God, I just hope he gets back to it. I'd like to see him give it one more shot next year. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. I'm sure I, I'm sure he will. I mean, sure he will. He knows he's got the skill. He's got the, he's still young. He can, he can get out there and do it.
1: Hey, let me ask you this. How have you been enjoying all the uh, the jokes and memes all over the internet about uh, Han, in, in the uh, qualifiers and last chances, Hand being all over Woodcock at a medium pace and have you caught up on all that stuff?
0: I saw, I saw one. That was, that was enough. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty funny. Whoever thought of that really quickly like that.
1: Oh, it's, it's just it's, it's every it's viral i mean you know how could how could you have a guy named hand and a guy named woodcock basically touching each other and all these and all these <laughs> uh qualifiers and last chances i mean uh the, the the commentary's just been unreal between us and the boys and everybody online randy richardson's got the, the best ones i won't even drop a mirror on your fairly clean <laughs> podcast but man it's been funny <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, there's always, there's some funny people out there, man. That's why I put that photo up today of uh, Mitch Payton kind of peeking in that champagne bottle. <laughs> just,
1: <laughs> some of the lines. Speaking of, was... speaking of Mitch Payton, I was going to bring that up. Like, I think Mitch has lost it, honestly. I mean, um, yeah. he, I, I don't know if it's just because he doesn't have his, his fingers in the uh, Loretta Lynn's pot like the Geico's and all those guys have had over the years. But, ah, uh, like you got to look at him. He's He's got, like, look at him now. I mean, last year, Darian Sinai. I mean, Darian Sinai was waiting for people in the first turn to go through. Uh, he gives Jordan Smith the bike. Jordan Smith, the all-time ultimate crasher, the guy that never does anything but go backwards in motos. And now we got Seth Hammaker coming up. I don't see him having really any potential. Like, I just don't know where they're going to go here. Obviously, Forkner's never going to put a series together, so... I'm worried about Mitch. I mean, that pro circuit team must be pretty beat down at this point.
0: Well, Joe Shimoda has gone four or five.
1: Yeah. Joe looks good. You know, I don't, I don't see Joe as a winner though. Like pro circuit heritage is, is, uh, is, Hey, it's all about, you know, like they say, put those plaques on the door of the rig. Like Joe's a super smooth rider. I mean, he's, he's awesome to watch. I, I always, when I watch him, I always think that he's got a little more in the tank, you know, that he could, he could let out, you know, he seems so. And then you, you hear those rumors about him at the Kawasaki test track that he set the all-time lap record and this and that. I mean, I don't know. Sounds like the Malcolm Smith program to me, but, uh, but yeah, I like Joe. I hope he does well, but I, I don't see him being a winner against the competition that's out there.
0: Right. I mean, cause you know, historically you got like the, the pro circuit team would have the top two guys heading up. They'd be the top two guys. They'd be battling for, you know, one and two and then the Geico guys would have strength. And now it seems like uh, obviously it's the star racing team. Uh, they seem to have all the money too.
1: Yeah, the, I don't know. Their, their budget's just unlimited. I can't believe just all the guys that they've got. I mean, and, um, and you know, you watch that Levi kitchen. I mean, he's going to freaking kill it. I mean, that guy sort of Sammy I mean, not came out of nowhere, but he wasn't the guy that was, was winning everything on eighties, but man, on the big bike since he's been there. I mean, he went what undefeated at Loretta Lynn's and nearly undefeated at, um, at uh, the other amateur not there and, and he's so yeah he's so smooth so he, he he reminds me of kevin windham carries the elbows a little bit lower really keeps good pace all around the track has a super silky style i mean uh i got big hopes for him you gotta wonder why like why doesn't he end up on a pro circuit kawasaki like where's mitch in in the levi kitchen Sweepstakes? i don't know
0: <laughs> i had no idea you paid attention to amateur motocross like that I watched
1: it all. I love it.
0: Okay, interesting. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right, so, uh, I mean, we kind of talked about this already, but uh, obviously into the second round there on Tuesday, we had wire-to-wire win in the 250s. Jet Lawrence is your guy. I mean, he just looks so comfortable. He actually came off the bike and said, that was perfect. Bark, bark.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's great.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I guess, um, and that was when the incident was with... uh, um, sorry forkner and in uh, hampshire there and what hey we never talked about uh what about maximus or max voland
1: yeah I was just going to bring him up as well i i i think i don't know i was i was a little unsure about that whole thing you know i mean he was on 80s like 8 months ago or whatever it was i mean i thought it was early for him but you know there was look no pressure let's just let's just get him on the factory team and get a ktm out there and and everything else and I think he's looked amazing. I mean, he's done good things. You know, um, he's he's been on point according to the plan that they had laid out, which was basically stay, stay safe and, you know, get some experience. And obviously, he's a smart kid. He's got a great, you know, long, clean riding style. And um, if he keeps going like this, I mean, who knows? Maybe some podiums coming up, but uh, way better than I had thought. Pretty well, impressed.
0: I guess we've seen Roger pull a guy from the B class before
1: yeah there we go yeah i mean maybe he thinks he'll be another Dungey, but uh <laughs> but i like the fact you're not putting any pressure on him for sure and and he's doing great i i really like the way the way he looks on the bike as well all
0: right okay so um yeah i not a whole lot there to talk about in the in the 250 class on that one other than the the crash between uh the two two guys forkner and hampshire there but in the 450 class i mean um man you know i, I was surprised to see uh osborne closing in on eli and then make a mistake
1: yeah he's he's a savage i mean look there's no free rides uh if 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 zach osborne's near you i mean he just moves forward it doesn't matter what's happening in a moto he's obviously in some of the best shape in the sport he's got a great bike um he's an interesting guy because you look at the way he looks on a bike he looks like a dog's breakfast compared to the jet lawrences and christian craig's and obviously it's got a lot to do with that smaller stature but Hmm. he's not a sexy guy to watch but man his speed has just gotten better and better every year i mean he's getting better every day and he's 33 years old and you don't see that in the sport at all either so so uh and he's a great kid too like zach osborne is the man all around you know he's got a huge huge fan base and i don't mean just you know, the average fan, but the people within the industry and everybody's got the utmost respect for him. And obviously, you know, he paid his dues, you know, he was going to be the, he was like going to be the James Stewart coming out of amateurs and that all turned to shit. And he was off in Europe riding crappy bikes and probably thought his career was over and then look what he's done. So I'm i I'm just, I got so much respect for the guy.
0: Right. I remember what's he's 08 or 09 or something being over at the British Supercross series and he was there. He's been uh, he's been doing this a while.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he his rookie year was uh was 06 on the factory KTM 250 <laughs> four stroke. I mean, you know, so that's how long he's been around and and uh that didn't go well. So, he's really had to pay his dues and keep up his self belief and look where it's gotten him now. I mean, at the end of the day here, he could be a you know, a supercross champion as well as an outdoor Champion, so and maybe do the outdoors again. So he'll be hard to beat outdoors. I mean, with that never say die attitude, that's what it takes. Especially if it's a hotter year this year. I mean, the weather was pretty mild in the outdoor nationals last year because of the situation and the you know the times when they were doing it. But if it gets to be like you know your regular hundred degree days in some of those nationals, there's the guy to beat right there.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and it looks like we're trying to get back to uh, at this point the schedule is looking a lot more normal in, uh, than it had, than it did last year for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's great to see all the sports back to being, you know, doing well and being somewhat normal. I mean, uh, life and my life is shit with no sports and I watch nearly all of them. So have got to have it.
0: All right. So, so we had Osborne in 10th. We had, uh, one of oh, first gear, Barsha in ninth, Anderson got eighth. What do you thought? Malcolm Stewart. I mean. Uh, you know, he's been up there showing the speed, too, and he's got a 5'7", heading into round three here.
1: I'm let down by Malcolm, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, if I had a nickel for every time that I heard that he was the fastest guy in the history of um, of the Supercross practice track, I'd already be retired. I mean, I'm getting tired of that. Oh, he's faster than James. He's more naturally talented than James. Bullshit. He's no James. He'll never be a James. He's a good rider. He's fast on those tracks where we get two rows of the craziest peaked whoops obviously that's going to be more in favor of him because he can pass every lap he can get somebody and if there's two sections that's two people a lap Uh, I worry about his fitness a bit you know I don't know that he's the guy that's ever going to be a real hammerhead trainer you know he likes to have a good time and I just think it's not ingrained in him to be a winner and, you know, that coming, coming into this season, that was all the talk. Oh, you can't believe how fast Malcolm's going and he's got this figured out. Well, Hey, here we are. And it's a five, seven. I'm not impressed.
0: <laughs> all right. ahead of him, we had uh, Marvin, uh, Marvin Mooscan went uh, for sixth place and uh, he went down pretty hard. I think he took out a flag or he have I'm not sure if it was him that took out Rich, uh, Rich Shepherd. Are you familiar with the name Rich Shepherd, the photographer? no he's the red-haired guy with the ponytail out of straight out of cincinnati ohio anyway he got oh, hit nice. smashed into the wall he it turns out he's got uh broken ribs and two cracked vertebrae but he says he's okay
1: oh shit i had yeah. heard that there i didn't hear that he was that hurt i know the guy you're talking about i didn't know his name but uh yeah that's rough god you're not even on the track in supercross and you're getting banged up goes to show you how tough sport it is
0: yeah rich so uh hey man get well soon buddy um yeah, so then, um, uh, well, we had a nice battle there with uh, Roxon and uh, Cincarello for fifth and fourth. Uh, how about Brayton getting third place as coming up on his 37th birthday?
1: Amazing. Yeah, totally amazing. Or is it coming up his 38th birthday? Oh, I thought he said he was uh,
0: 36 going on 37. I could be wrong.
1: Well, I could be wrong too, but nonetheless, that's uh, that dinosaur age for Supercrosses. we all know. and. And, uh, you know, much like Zach Osborne, the same things could be said, um, for Justin Brayton as a human being. Like, there's nobody that doesn't love the guy. He's got time for everybody. He's a gentleman. And, um, and, and there's another guy that didn't come by it, you know, the, the easy way. I mean, he was nobody in the sport when he first started poking his nose around, um, the front of the pack in the 450 class. He'd come out of arena cross. He had really no amateur clout whatsoever. I mean, so there's a guy that's kind of made it on his own. And he's, And the other thing I like about Justin is he does it his own way. You know, hey, I'm not racing outdoors. I'm not going to go get beat up out there. I'll make my money in the winter in Australia. I'll do this. I'll do that. But um, no matter what he does, he always shows up prepared and represents the sponsors. And, you know, won that Daytona in 2018. That was insane. Right. And then on uh, a podium here. So I think it's amazing. I love the guy.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, now, OK, so I don't want to be a fanboy here, but I was really impressed and I was really looking forward to seeing Dylan Ferrandis move up into the 450 class. I like I like his no bullshit attitude. I love that he's just going to go out there. And I think he really showed everybody something.
1: Well, you'll have to fight me then for the big fan, the biggest fanboy on uh, Like, <laughs> I, I love the guy. He he I think about he's had next, next to no bike time here leading into this series. So new bike. Um, new series for him, the deepest field ever, and the guy comes out and he was, I mean, he was in it to win it on Tuesday. I mean, that guy he passed a lot of guys and a lot of super fast guys. I mean, you're going by the Cooper Webbs and 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 the Marvs and all those guys. You're doing it in the Whoops by being uber aggressive and confident. Um, think what he's going to be like in another couple of rounds when he's really in race shape and is had more seed time. I mean, I could see him being a winner anytime. Like I could see him winning one of these things right away. If that guy got a whole shot, you know, who's faster than him right now based on what we saw on Tuesday. So I think he's going to be awesome. And again, you know, outdoors, I mean, that's already been, been proven. I mean, he is, he is so good. I mean, some of the speed that him and Jeremy were hitting last summer outdoors are still ingrained in my mind. How fast those guys were going at times, gapping that field. So. I love Dylan, man. I think he's, he's amazing. And it seems like a a great kid as well.
0: And I just can't wait for him to say something like, Woody, I've come to steal your girlfriend.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. eh? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he's, uh, yeah, he's, and he's aggressive too, right? So he, um, he's another one of those guys, people, and this will help him in the big bike class, people can get a little nervous when there's, uh, you know, another rider that aggressive. Like, I think Barsha gets maybe a little more room at times than other guys would, because they know that, you know, he'll park them. And I think Dylan's now got the same kind of reputation. So I think that'll also help him in his first year against uh, these established guys.
0: Right. And by the way, that was just two old guys talking dirt bikes and making cheers references. <laughs> there you go. But uh, Hey, yeah. I, I mistakenly said Adam Cincerello when I looked here, at, I meant, uh, I meant Cooper Webb here. Cause I kind of wanted, it was Cooper Webb and uh, Roxon and Brayton having a great battle there for that fourth place. But, I thought uh the two personalities of Cooper Webb and Dylan Ferran I thought there was gonna be some fireworks there and then he just kinda of went by him when there was nothing.
1: Yeah, I think I, I can't quite figure out what Cooper's he, he didn't look too racy on um on Saturday and then on Tuesday he was actually going backwards in the main and uh it wasn't looking good for him and then, you know, like Cooper he's kind of a he's not a quitter by any means as we know so he actually started going forward again and then Ferrandis got by him. I don't know. I, I wonder if at times if, if everything is going good for everybody, if, if Cooper's got enough like God given raw speed, you know, I just, I, I look at the way Sexton moves the bike and, and AC and, and, and now Ferrandis. I think if everything is perfect for everybody at all times, I just don't know that Cooper's going to be a winner this year
0: okay interesting yeah again we say that next thing you know you come out and just dominate right it's just that weird of a field
1: too i mean he's cooper webb right but i don't know i so far i don't like what i've seen out of cooper i just i i was expecting him to be a little quicker out of the gate here this year and he's been healthy from what i understand and he hasn't shown great speed let's face it
0: right now uh now taking the win i mean uh old uh denny stevenson always jokes around calls him alito mac when he's uh doing bad and then he comes out and wins uh he did get a benefit from that uh that red cross flag that got thrown it didn't get waved when he went by so he was able to jump through that section and it really uh gave him a better breathing room I think
1: yeah and you know it, the 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 it, the AC and Sexton that were starting to Gap it a little bit at the start. They had their problems as well. So that's right. He had a bit of luck. I, I, I honestly think that this is going to be, and of course, you never rule out Eli tomac who's been the baddest man on the planet over, you know, the last four or five years. But, um, I think this is going to be a hard year for him. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw the next, you know, two, three, four weeks go by and he doesn't win again. You know, I, I just think it's so deep out there and there's so many guys going fast. Um, you know, if, uh, He's never been known for his starts, and he's proven in the past that he can go through, you know, the pack. And but can he go through this pack where there's ten guys all going crazy speeds? So I think if some of these younger guys, or you know, for case I'm not going to use the word younger. He's 28 years old, but he's new <laughs> to the class. I mean, if you know, if the is and and uh, the ACs and you know a few Sexton. of these guys are out front, Sexton, you know, early. I just can't see um, Eli being able to make up for his bad starts. I think I think he could maybe not win one here for a little while.
0: Right, I know. And again, we say that, and he could go on a three race win streak, right, with a good start. It's just uh, it's just a crazy uh, season. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's. I mean, we say this every year, kind of thing, but this year even more. when We got these new guys in the class. Just uh, it's just nuts. And you mentioned uh, uh, Chase Sexton, unfortunately leading that. Looked pretty comfortable. Him and Adam going out there too. Adam went down in the sand. Looked like he had a bit of a bike problem there on the throttle side or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Sexton, that was so sad. And that was a bad pounding he took yeah. too. I'm glad. He's out, he by didn't... the way. What's what's that?
0: He's out for uh, Saturday.
1: Uh, I'm not surprised. That was a that was a hard hit he took. You know, I was glad that he didn't have any like neck or back stuff from that. The way he, he got torpedoed into that face like that. Um, so I was glad to see him get up, but at the same time, I was super disappointed. I mean, um, it would have been his speed. I mean, there's no, we, you don't need to question that. He's already been on the podium for time, daytimes, and, and um you know, we've seen his speed in those first laps there. I think that would have been a nice test to see what, you know, his mental game would, would have been like later in that moto, as well as his fitness on the 450. But as far as riding talent goes, I mean, God, you could put him right up in the, top three or far foremost talented guys in that super deep class in my mind anyways i love watching him ride he's like picture perfect
0: yeah absolutely i mean we're talking about uh you know how is eli going to keep this rolling well we had uh, two of the young kids out front and we're not for that uh sand section and some mistakes who knows right like it uh another thing too was uh um joey Civacci going down hard i guess he's still in he's got a bad hematoma on his leg though
1: yeah i don't know uh I don't know what's going to become of, of, Joey, to be honest with you. He's, he's in a deep class. Um, you know, I I haven't seen a lot of confidence out of him so far. Um, you know, he's, he's not good with the people. I mean, let's just call it what it is. He's probably the biggest lump of, of any factory rider, or I guess you could call his ride a factory ride. I think he's lucky to have it. He's done nothing to endear himself to the people or the fans and, um He's terrible in the interviews. He's negative. I'm not a fan. I don't think Joey deserved that bike. To be honest with you, that's so tough. Huh? Again, it comes back to
0: that thing. Not everybody is Travis Pastrana. It's so tough when you're like, hey man, hey everybody, I'm not. That's just not my personality. It's just so tough, right? It's 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 a job. The PR part of it is such a job for some of the guys.
1: Yeah, but that's the thing, though. It's part of the job. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, in this day and age, with uh, where it's like I say, it's not always about results anymore um it's you know you like this year even like yeah sure jet lawrence went out and did this he's still 17 you know if if jet was you know grabbing the odd podium and had to grab a few fourths and fifths and maybe stuck his nose up front you know i think the sponsors would still be happy because he is who he is but look when you're joey and the results results aren't great um and you know that you've got a challenging personality well hey you've got to get better you know if you can't get better on the track and you're already just absolutely terrible with that scowl on your face at all times in the media, well, you got to get better, you know, and and Joey hasn't done that. So, you know, I think, uh, again, I think he was really, really lucky to get that ride. And, um, you know, if, uh, he wouldn't have had it either, he probably wouldn't even be on the track right now. If if Bagot hadn't gotten into that financial fight with the team, he'd be on that bike. So, yeah, I don't know. Joey's got to clean up his act in a few ways. Speaking
0: of Baggett, when are we going to see Bagot?
1: I don't know if we will. I mean, what's he going to do? I mean, obviously he's, you know, he's been a massive earner since 2008. So he's got money. I mean, he could just go out and get his own program together and show up halfway through the series. I mean, you know, he can get all the parts that he needs. And and uh, like I say, when you've been at the level that he's been at for as long as he has been, it's ridiculous the amount of money that he's made. So, look, he can do his own thing if he really wants to come out there he can get a bike together if he can't get a fill-in ride or something like that and show up but i've also heard that um his dad's got a mega successful company and he can work for it and, and make a good living too so you know at this point you know it's uh it's been what's this this would be year 13 for him uh how much does a guy want to risk it when he's already probably set for life and has a good job waiting for him
0: Right. Yeah. That comes into play for sure. Again, like I always say too, I'm always impressed with these guys when they get to that age and they're still willing to hang it out like that.
1: Yeah. And he is crazy in that way. I think, you know, it's, it's too bad that he hasn't put a better 450 career together. I mean, obviously he has those crazy, crazy rides where he goes faster than anyone passes the fastest guys in the world and wins both indoors and outdoors. And then some weeks he's, uh, you know, he's like Barsha, you just can't figure out why he's eighth or ninth or whatever. So I don't know if we'll see him again. I mean, I'd like to. It's it's always good to throw another hat into the mix, but I think he might be done.
0: All right, interesting. All right, okay. So we're heading in. Uh, man, we got uh, Saturday another race coming up, round three, two fifty points. We've got uh, Christian Cray, we got Colt Nichols, Jet Lawrence, and then uh, and then Austin Forkner. There's seven points separating the top four. There's only four separating the top three. I mean, it's tight. Uh, what are you thinking this weekend? Is it? Uh, Man, do we do predictions <laughs> what do you what do you got for saturday
1: uh there's I think we obviously know the first you know three or four guys are gonna be up there. you know it's gonna be forkner and um obviously jet um you know Nichols is going super super fast. I mean, you look at those guys i think I think it's gonna be one of those four guys. I just think it's gonna depend on where they you know come from the start, like honestly, I don't believe that uh you know, a Forkner or or even Jet can get a six or 7th place start against those guys if they start up front and win the race. You know, I think there's a lot of parity with those front guys. Right. And um, Hampshire, I guess, so, Hampshire, if stuff yeah. goes properly. What's that?
0: And Hampshire, I guess, throw him in there too if things go.
1: Yeah, throw RJ in there, although his will might be slightly broken now that he's out of the points. But uh, um, I would say that RJ might just be, through the course of a moto, just a step off of those other guys. It just, I mean, he's shown good things so far, but RJ is one of those guys indoors. Like he hasn't shown in his career yet that he can be, you know, a race in race out guy that's challenging for the win indoors. Obviously he showed some good things outdoors, but so I'm going to say RJ is just like a half tick off of those guys. So yeah, I think, you know, hate to be a fence hitter. I'd like to see Jet win, Um but yeah, let's go with Jet. <laughs>
0: All right, now check out like the four fifty points. This is insane. The top it six, it is crazy. The top six are within four points.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I love the way that's shaking out.
0: It's amazing. So yeah, Barsha still holds on. Uh, Dylan Fernandez is only one point behind. Brayton's two behind, and Marvin. Man, then uh, and you got Roxon, and then four points. And then all those names. And Then four points back is Eli Tomac.
1: Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, how how what a what a treat! It what like normally after the first two rounds, I mean, there's been an abomination of some kind, and and you know, one guy's maybe won two races, but I mean, with with the way that things have gone, I mean, to have the points like that, it's just setting up for the best series ever. So I'm stoked about it.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Are you gonna you want to pick a winner for uh, Saturday?
1: I got Ferrandis. You do, huh? I got Ferrandis. Do I have to fight you for him or no?
0: <laughs> no, I always i like to use uh, i like to use Ricky Carmichael's line here. I don't uh, i don't predict. I analyze.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> take the easy route.
0: It's too risky. Although I do, I actually are you are you all on board with all these fantasy things? I mean, sometimes I have to stay away from Twitter because all people do is bitch about that stuff.
1: I've tried to get into it here and there, but I can't stick with it. Usually, I'm just either. Yeah, I get. That. To be honest with you, I'm just so busy being a fan of it. Like I say, I watch race day live. I'm I'm watching YouTube edits. I mean, rather than sit there and worry about fantasy, and then I'm staring at my uh, iPad throughout the whole moto and stuff like that. I don't want to get caught up in that. I just want to be a super fan of the sport, so try to avoid it.
0: Yeah, good call. I'm sort of I sort of sit there right there with you.
1: Hey, what about heart, before we go? What about heart raft? He looks to me, he looks like Dave Thorpe out there this year. <laughs> <Thorpe>. A Dave <laughs> Thorpe like, reference. He looks like Dave Thorpe or buttery. I mean, he does not look good. He looks super stiff. I mean, he had some good rides on 250. Like... and On the 450, he looks like a nightmare.
0: Oh, my God. Sorry, you just cracked me up there.
1: it <laughs> <But> Dave <laughs> Thorpe? The old, the old uh, world's fastest novice uh, quote?
0: Oh, my God. My dad's British. He used to love Dave Thorpe.
1: Oh really? <laughs> yeah. uh, I think uh I think Dave Thorpe loved himself a lot too until Johnny O'Mara smoked him at Megory in eighty six on a one on one twenty five yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, heart wrapped, I don't know he he doesn't look too good out there i was I was kind of expecting better things, you know, like maybe around tenth or eleventh, but uh well, he just looks super uncomfortable
0: well, I'll tell you he uh he was the second guy in that l c q to Vince Freeze there. Uh but Vince was one of the guys who got into the forty-two, So, I mean, he's not that far off the
1: pace then. Yeah. I, maybe this needs to clean it up. He looked probably, I, I, he didn't get a lot of camera time on Tuesday. He got no. a lot of camera time on Saturday and he just looked really stiff and really uncomfortable out there. So, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that will turn around, but yeah, he needs to step it up. Him and him and Plessinger, uh, and Anderson so far, my three, uh, three boners in the 450 class i'd like to see those guys pick up their bootstraps for sure
0: sorry i found a sound effect page <laughs> not nice <laughs> how about like this one you didn't say any- pumped up No, you didn't say anything exciting enough for me to use that one
1: yeah but- you know who the uh you know who the 250 class unsung hero is so far oh. is uh thomas doe that uh the french guy I think he's he got a top 10 and just outside of the top 10, and he was kind of a nobody coming in, but he's kind of poked his nose up front. He's doing really well.
0: Absolutely. I mean, he came over. I know he's been racing against uh, guys like Cade Walker over in Europe and stuff like that, and those Supercross races uh, through the amateurs. He came over to Minios one year. He's been a name that I've seen around a lot, and now to see him actually uh, doing well is actually uh, it's pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah, he's hauling. He's doing great. So I love it when you see... Um, guys that you don't expect starting to come in and, and uh and showing a wheel here and there so let's hope he can keep it up as well
0: right hey we uh, mentioning uh brandon
1: hartraft how good do those suzuki's look yeah they look pretty trick actually and <laughs> so I, I also like the uh i also like the black Huskies. yeah there's there's some cool looks out there and of course <laughs> you know those factory hondas that are up front right now always the red bikes always look good as well so yeah things are I mean, look—it's a cool sport. Everything looks kick-ass to me.
0: Right, right, but uh, yeah, it's funny. My dad always said back, even back in my days, like, "Yeah, those Suzukis—they sure look good, but how come nobody rides them?"
1: <laughs> yeah, we always joke. My uh, my good friend Buddy Caron out here, Bud Bud two two four. He uh, he actually got a new Husky last year. He's a, he's a good vet rider. He got a new Husky last year and hated it, and went back to his Suzuki, which I refer to as the uh, mobile couch. So uh yeah those suzukis they're not modern tech by any means but they still go decent out there obviously
0: <laughs> all right hammer well uh buddy i really i appreciate you taking the time to shoot the shit about uh some dirt bike racing it's been a lot of fun we wanted to do this for a while i remember before remember you were down in uh, palm springs there and stuff and we got you you typed out a couple of things and uh, that was fun but this has been good here and uh you know we can just kind of let it meander wherever it goes the conversation so it has been fun
1: yeah, man. I really appreciate you having me. And uh, it has been a great time. I love talking about the sport and, uh, and it's a good time of the year for me too. I'm not too under pressure with work in another month. I'll be, uh, probably working until about 11 PM every night. So uh, this is a perfect time to do this stuff.
0: All right. So we got, um, what we got? We got Houston. Oh, we don't have a, we don't have a Tuesday. So I was kind of trying to think if it goes Saturday, Tuesday again, we could, uh, get a twofer in again, but, uh, after saturday it goes saturday saturday we got a week till uh indy and then it's uh indy goes saturday tuesday
1: yeah that's nice i love those tuesdays give you something to look forward to in the week
0: i know it's amazing you're sitting there like what it doesn't feel like a tuesday
1: ah it's weird i love it i mean this time of year in my world i mean you've got ufc you've got the conor mcgregor fight this weekend so this weekend for me i mean it's just look we got we got Supercross, we got the mcgregor fight we got the football playoffs. It's just, in my world, that's just a dream come true. I can't wait. Oh, do you have cable? <laughs> I've got every TV <laughs> system money can buy. Trust me on that. You should see this house. I could run the world out of here.
0: Hey, I was trying to think. A few years ago, we had a Supercross party there, and I remember it got heated, and I couldn't remember what the argument was about. Ah, I can't remember. You were nicely into
1: your vodkas that night. That was a good time.
0: <laughs> I was No, I was nicely into your vodkas.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, <laughs> next time you're coming through town, you'll be nicely into him again. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, that's, uh, that's been Rick Hamer, Jackson. Hammer time.
1: <laughs> hammer time, hammer time. The old school, uh, the old Pink Palace hammer time. Those are days long gone by now, but uh, even through there, I met a lot of good friends and had a lot of good hours of bullshitting on there, and uh, yeah, it was a good time.
0: Yeah, man, it sure was. Sure, was. That's, what, uh, that's where I uh, cut my teeth.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the old Carmen Electra days and doing uh, live podcasts that uh, before people were doing them. Or live broadcasts, I should say, yeah. at, uh, at the stadium down in Chilliwack. Yeah, Those that's right. Those were big times.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were. I still got some fun photos from back there that drift across my laptop every once in a while.
1: Uh, yeah, fun stuff for sure.
0: All right. Well, um, man, I'll, uh, I appreciate you doing that. Maybe we'll have to do it again.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm around and uh, I've got time this time of year, like I said, and uh, keep up the great work on Direct Moto, Direct MX. I mean, you guys are uh, the leading authority of Moto in Canada. You, uh, you're always putting out good new content. I love you putting out all the retro content all the time nowadays, too. I think that's been a, a big hit for you as well. So Yeah, always love talking to you, Billy, and uh, keep up the great work.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I just can't think of anything else to do, so the old stuff goes up. All right, keep it going. (laughs) All right, buddy. Hey, have a great time out there. Enjoy the races on Saturday, and uh, we will touch base with you again, everybody. That was uh, Hammer Time. Appreciate your time, buddy, and we'll
1: uh, we'll talk again real soon. Okay, talk soon. Enjoy the races. Bye-bye. Bye.